0: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lindsay. How are you, Lindsay? I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. Excited to get a start on some new episodes this year. Right. We
1: we just went hit our one-year mark, I think, on the 12th. Yeah. Yesterday? Was it? it was We're yesterday. I saw the, the picture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yay, we've survived a year. That's right. That's right. Thanks to all of our listeners for staying with us and giving us great feedback and questions and things to keep talking about. Yeah, we hope they keep coming so we can have ideas of of things to bring in the future. Well, today I think we have a good episode coming up talking about a fairly common thing that we encounter in clinic. That is low or low back pain, or just general back pain. But I think we'll focus on lower back pain, which right. is what we tend to see most often. And what is something like 80% of the population will present to their primary care for low back pain at one point in their life. Exactly. So it's a very common issue. I think people come in worried that it's um, a signal of something bad going on. And most of the time, that's not true. It's very uncommon for low back pain or for back pain to be a serious issue. Um, but we'll kind of talk through uh, signs and symptoms and what the pain can mean and what, we, what the steps are to evaluate and work it up. It certainly can
1: be uh, significant in quality of life and um, activity when a pe- person is experiencing back pain, and it certainly can become a chronic issue. But generally, it's not something dangerous to them, even though it can be quite of a nuisance if you're experiencing it.
0: Exactly, yeah, and can have an impact on quality of life. And then as we talk about treatment, we'll talk about, um, you know, just the changes in research supporting how we treat back pain, too. (music) Why don't we start by talking about some definitions because people may hear these terms tossed around and they kind of act as guidelines for us as we're evaluating back pain. And those would be acute back pain, subacute back pain, and chronic back pain. Do you want to talk about those a little bit, Lindsay? Sure. So obviously acute is um,
1: back pain that is new to you. you uh, either you did something and injured yourself and you have acute pain, so acute is anything less than 4 weeks, subacute is 4 to 12 weeks, and then it becomes what we would consider chronic back pain when
0: it's anything greater
1: than 12 weeks.
0: Fortunately, as we said before, most of the time it does not represent something really worrisome, and most of the time it will get better. And I think having that knowledge can be empowering too, because people pain, pain causes fear, and people worry right. that this is something bad, it's a sign of something that's worrisome, or it's not going to get better. And so um, we can just reassure and say that the vast majority of the time, it's not a really worrisome thing, and it will improve.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, the biggest cause is it's, you know, you twisted funny and caused a little inflammation where you may have some arthritis or wear and tear on your, um, you know, the bones in your spinal column, which we call the vertebra, and um you know, it can last a short time and generally resolves uh, when the inflammation goes down. Um, certainly, probably the biggest cause would be degenerative disc disease, which is a general term for osteoarthritis or wear and tear arthritis, arthritis of the spine.
0: Yeah, so how about if we go through symptoms of uh, back pain and what people might be experiencing when they come in, and then we can talk uh, more about the various causes.
1: I think most often they, you know, point to low back, across the low back and it's limited to there and there's some muscle tightness and aching. There's something called sciatica which lots of people have heard about and that's more when the pain maybe radiates down one leg and it can go depending on which, you know, nerves are being affected at that time it can run you know, the top of the leg, the lateral leg, the behind the leg. It can go from, you know, just into the thigh all the way
0: down to the toes. Yeah. And again, that's because um, the spinal cord runs through the spinal canal. And so when the bones supporting those structures move or have arthritis or things, that can impact the nerves in that area. And so that's why in addition to just muscular pain or tightness, people sometimes have what's more of a nerve pain where again like Lindsay said it's radiating down the leg might feel more like sharp zinging kind of pain I think the big thing for for kind of acute back pain and
1: and all back pains is that once there's inflammation Um, Maybe because you move funny, that muscle just can spasm and become tight. And that's often the source of a lot of the acute pain uh, when people come and say their back is out or something like that. Generally, that's just a major muscle spasm.
0: Right, yeah. And those spasms, even if it's one muscle group, that can spread across the entire back and really cause a lot of tension and tightness and make it difficult to be mobile and get up and move around. So. Um, that's definitely a painful situation. Other symptoms that can be a result of the nerves um, being injured or being uh, getting increased pressure inflammation would be trouble emptying your bladder, trouble with the bowels and these would be more concerning symptoms. Um, not as common to see these in the clinic, but they are, somewhat worrisome when they do occur
1: as well as weakness I mean numbness and tingling certainly occurs with the sciatica type symptoms but numbness tingling feeling like your leg has fallen asleep things like that are symptoms often of of Etiologies in the spine, but the more concerning would be if there is weakness or foot drop or the the bowel and bladder issues that you were describing. And what's foot drop, Lindsay? That's when your foot, when you're kind of dragging it along, it's you don't have the muscles um, to to pull that, so it's a weakness in the foot where it's kind of your foot flops, you're not able to pull it up.
0: Yeah, people might notice tripping on their toes or even stubbing your toes as you're walking along when that's happening. Certainly a big thing in the population that I treat, which is the
1: older adults, um, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, something that can occur from osteoporosis can be compression fractures of the spine. And those often are acute onset pain that is localized to a spine area. And if you press on that spine it generally makes that pain worse Um, and that sometimes we we treat in a little bit of a different way um, right just because of
0: it the the reason behind it is the osteoporosis so we need to treat that right so when things are affecting the bone directly such as compression fractures infection in the bone or uncommonly spread of cancer to the bone often people will have tenderness or soreness when you press right on the bone um when it's a more of a muscular thing usually you're not going to notice soreness right over the spine itself but people will have spasm and tightness in their lower back and it's usually the muscles next to the
1: paraspinous muscles which are next to that so lateralizing to one side or
0: the other next to that midline exactly Yep. <laughs> talk about some of the um, more common causes of back pain. I think, you know, the most common thing that we see is what we term non-specific back pain. And that's just back pain where we're unable to and often don't need to um, arrive at a very specific diagnosis. And that is actually the most common Reason why patients come in to the clinic with back pain is just non-specific back pain. Usually, that means it's a muscle strain or musculoskeletal. We call it often, like you said earlier, Lindsay, related to a uh, you know twisting or lifting something you maybe shouldn't lift or some kind of movement like that. Um, and most of the time, that does get better.
1: Yeah, and certainly, it could be you know from a disc herniation or from like like we just discussed earlier the just degenerative osteoarthritis of those bones there that cause inflammation and then the reaction from twisting funny but but it's not necessarily important to figure out the actual
0: underlying causes in most situations because it goes away yeah and that's a strange thing for us to say as internists because usually in our job we want to know why we want to know why we're always looking for more information we're um, trying to get to a specific diagnosis and so It's strange and a little difficult probably for many of us to just say, you know what, it's back pain, it's going to get better. We don't have to figure out exactly what's causing it or why.
1: So that's why you're, you know, if you go into acute care, urgent care, your primary care physician with back pain, they're not going to order an x-ray the first time you come talk about it or it's not necessary to get the MRI Those things are important to get if we have what we call red flag symptoms, which like we said earlier would be if you have a history of malignancies or cancers, if you had um, weight loss, if you had the weakness or what we call the cottaquina syndrome, so you Mm -hmm. had the bowel and bladder um, issues, that would be a time that it would be important to get imaging right away. Otherwise, the reason we don't do it is because there's been shown to be no correlation between what we find in those, that imaging and your back pain. So, I mean, they've done studies where they had MRIs of backs that just look horribly ridden with arthritis, and you would expect that person to have severe pain, but when you talk to that person, there's no pain, and vice versa, where somebody has a very clear-looking MRI where they don't look like they have any arthritis in their spine, but they have significant pain. So there's been shown to be no correlation in lots of pain, you know, of the pain situations in the in the, the
0: spine. And so it doesn't help us to get that imaging. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And again, that's the most common type of back pain that we deal with. And it's um, generally not really worrisome. they have also done studies where um, people go to surgery
1: acutely for like a disc herniation um, to take care of that. So a disc herniation is there's a spongy disc between the two vertebra that is cartilage um, and it can kind of rupture out of between the vertebrae and maybe get into the spinal space and that it's generally the acute inflammation of this happening that causes symptoms. And once that inflammation goes away, there's no issue. So they've done studies and surgery right away to remove that disc versus waiting doesn't have any difference in outcomes so the waiting people never ended up having to have surgery because a year out of surgery and conservative care there was no difference in people's back pain at the end of that
0: time right so once the inflammation gets better in both situations people improved and that's with and without surgery and so if it were me you i would definitely go for no surgery and just right. wait it out Yep. obviously if i were having worrisome symptoms that would be different right yeah um we talked about compression fractures Other common and not so serious causes of back pain would be radiculopathy, which we already mentioned. And that's where you have pain in the nerves because the nerves are getting inflamed or irritated or a little bit of pressure on them. Um, And spinal stenosis, which is narrowing around the spinal cord. Again, you're going to get some pressure on the nerves because of that. Fairly common as people age, but also still not worrisome and not necessarily something that we jump right to imaging on because even with spinal stenosis, people can have severe narrowing around their spinal cord and have very minimal symptoms, and others will have um, pretty mild narrowing around their cord and have pretty severe symptoms. So imaging doesn't really predict how severe people will be how severely people will be affected by the pathology that they have.
1: Certainly in kind of traumatic Instances where, if you were involved in a motor vehicle accident or some sort of um, major physical accident that's that's a different story when imaging yes. would be done right yes away.
0: absolutely yeah other causes that again are not usually the serious severely worrisome ones would be there's a condition called ankylosing spondylitis which is a rheumatologic condition usually in younger adults uh, more common in men than women and they will have back pain often with stiffness in the morning it tends to get better with exercise Um, but they often have other systemic symptoms too. So that's something that we think about um, usually as patients. It's not something you need to worry about, but something that your clinician will be keeping in mind anyway. Right, and then there's the scoliosis,
1: which the kids are always checked for at the start, and that's the curvature of the spine um, that can result um, as children are growing, and that can cause different uh, issues as you get older and grow, and
0: sometimes that requires surgery for different, you know, reasons and to control. Yeah, and then other other things that we sometimes see are that people with severe depression are more prone to pain. Depression kind of changes the way our body receives pain, and so that can contribute to back pain. Um, perhaps they had, you know, somebody has an underlying arthritis or some other issue, and having depression or other um, mental health issues going on can make pain worse and it can make it um, a little harder to get rid of the pain actually too. So those are, those are kind of the big things that contribute.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of things outside of the spine, so, you know, flat feet or poor arches or, you know, so things with the feet can certainly contribute to back pain. Yes. Uh, And simply getting orthotics or things like that can improve upon that. So um, that's why physical therapy is so important Yes, yes. um, to receive if you have some back pain that's longer
0: than acute and not resolving. And other things like kidney stones, which are fairly common, shingles is another reason we see back pain. Um, Usually that is self-limited, but sometimes that pain can persist for quite some time as well. Right. Pancreatitis
1: and some other things, but they'll have other symptoms that cue us off to, it won't just be
0: generally the back pain. And then if we talk about the the more serious, worrisome things, um, Lindsay already mentioned cata equina, which is spinal cord compression at the lower end of the spinal cord, and that we tend to see um, the urinary and bladder symptoms. But many, many different things can cause that. Um, certainly, you know, cancer spread to the spine can cause spinal symptoms and back pain, um, infections in the spine and in the bones around the spine can cause these symptoms as well
1: and generally those have
0: to have other risk factors Mm
1: -hmm. i mean you're not just a normal healthy person it isn't just going to get an abscess or a spinal infection you have to have some other reason to generally contribute to that so right
0: most commonly yes yeah exactly drug use Uh, these people have often had uh spinal manipulation so a spinal surgery or Epidural injection or something like that that would predispose them to it. In addition, people who are more immunocompromised, so their immune systems aren't as strong, are right. at higher risk. So patients with diabetes that are that's uncontrolled, I've seen spine mm-hmm. infections in that population. Um, certainly, with HIV, the same is right. true. Yep. So usually there are other underlying risk factors for those infections. Right. So
1: I guess the. Next thing is, we, you know, when should you see your doctor? Then, if we're saying we probably won't do it a lot, and what what do we recommend that you do? And I would say certainly you never should not see your doctor. Just expect that sometimes you might not appreciate our answer. <laughs> um, we can certainly help with symptoms, and I th- I always think you know physical therapy is always a good option for for anything, any type of pain that's musculoskeletal. So. You know, even if it's acute pain, I'd probably send you to physical therapy, but certainly heat, um, ice, NSAIDs, so those are the ibuprofen, Aleves, um, and certainly you have to be careful and should consult with your doctor if you have, just depending on what medications you're taking or if you have a history of, you know, ulcers, stomach mm-hmm. ulcers, or if you have, uh, if you're on anti, a, a blood thinner or anticoagulation. Those would be reasons you would want to avoid those things, but um, kind of that would be the first line, right? Right, is stretching, heat, rest. Once it get beyond the you know two four weeks, what else do we generally? Yeah, say? I think
0: physical therapy, uh, massage therapy can mm-hmm. be really helpful. Um, I I think you know I I really rely on our therapists a lot because they're great at working with people over time, and then they will also get back to me if somebody's not improving like they would expect. And at that point, then maybe we think about is it worth is it time to do some imaging? Right. Uh, certainly, sometimes
1: muscle relaxants can are necessary mm-hmm. and can be helpful because it is that spasm that's called, that's when a lot of times heat helps and massage. Um, You know there is chiropractic care and lots of people swear by this at keeping them in alignment and and I think that's fine I think you have to be careful especially as you get older in age and especially with neck manipulation because there are some risks to that that I think you've seen several patients yeah
0: I've actually had three patients in my career who've had um, paraplegia after the uh, chiropractic manipulation that resulted in rupture of the small arteries along the spinal cord and so that resulted in them being paralyzed from that level and down which is a pretty big deal and then I've also seen a patient who had a stroke after a neck manipulation so it's certainly something that can happen and I would just say if you If you have a chiropractor who you'd like to work with, I would be very cautious about any kind of big manipulation.
1: I think certainly maintaining exercise. I mean, generally, once somebody has had a back issue and muscle spasm once in their life, they're kind of prone to having it happen again if they just been the right way, or if they become sedentary and they gain weight, then they're going to have more issues. So I think physical activity is huge. I think weight loss and maintaining a Mm. a good body weight is important because the more pounds you put on, the pressure you put on your back, the, the more you're going to experience that pain. I think core muscle strength is huge. And so I really think um, exercises like Pilates. Yep, Pilates and yoga and things are for huge because they help strengthen that core, mm-hmm. and that's that's a huge deal. I mean, if we don't have the the ab and core strength, then we certainly aren't protecting our back.
0: Right. And you talked a little bit about you know some medications like Tylenol and NSAIDs. I usually start with Tylenol first, and then again, like you said, if there aren't other risk factors for NSAID use, we can go that route. Muscle relaxants, I'll tend to wait and say, you know, unless, like you said, somebody comes in in really severe pain, they can hardly move, Mm -hmm. then maybe we'll do a muscle relaxant for a few days just to help them get through that. Um, Sometimes our pain clinic will do injections, too, when people come in with just really severe back spasms, and sometimes that can provide some immediate relief so that you can get started in therapy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's topical things that I think are very helpful. Um, you know, the icy hots or I like the biofreeze yep. products. Mm-hmm. I think they're really helpful. Um, you know, physical therapists do ultrasound, which it gets deep heat in there to those muscles to help bring the things that decrease inflammation. There's lidocaine patches yep. and salon paws and all these over the counter. They're NSA very gel. helpful. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, you just have to use them. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. What about narcotics, Lindsay? So things like hydrocodone or even Tylenol with codeine, what's your practice for those medications in people with acute and subacute back pain?
1: So certainly, you know, there's been lots of pendulum swings on this, and and I don't think generally that, that they're necessary. Most of the time we can get by with other things if somebody is so debilitated they aren't moving i think generally that's when there's the muscle spasm and other things are more helpful so the muscle relaxants and the heat and the massage and the ultrasound deep heat and stretching i will use it if it seems severe enough but only for the short term so i'd probably only give you a handful of pills and that's and and it wouldn't be my first go to thing to to help treat your back pain certainly not a long term
0: answer either exactly yeah so when that back pain does become chronic at that point those medications have absolutely no role because they're not effective and so then it's doing the other things doing the exercise losing the weight if that's needed doing things like that to really help improve quality of life for the long term but not narcotic medications right yeah
1: And there's other chronic pain medications. So there's um, duloxetine, which was originally made as an antidepressant, but has been found to be helpful in chronic pain and nerve pain. And there's um, gabapentin or Neurontin, which is supposed to be helpful for nerve pain. And, um, you know, there's more and more studies coming out that maybe it depends what, you know, if we should use those or not. So there's certainly other nerve medicines like Lyrica. Um, So we have lots of other options that aren't narcotics. And depending on the situation, they may or may
0: not be helpful to you. Yeah, it's really, I think, dependent on the individual situation and Mm -hmm. a discussion with your clinician about that. But those are certainly not things that we want to start within the first several weeks because often the pain is going to improve and you won't need them. So um, those would be things that we would talk about for more chronic pain. And I think
1: you have, I mean, you have to have seen a physical therapist because there's something called piriformis syndrome that is a muscle that gets agitated that can mimic kind of sciatica often. And so, um, you know, just treating that muscle with the right stretches um, is very beneficial.
0: Yeah. And so I think, again, lots of, there are lots of things to do to help with low back pain and back pain. Um, To kind of recap, most of the time, it's not going to be worrisome. We don't always find a diagnosis. And actually most of the time, we're not going to give you a specific diagnosis, um, except, you know, there are rare cases where people have more worrisome symptoms and then that needs, um, more investigation to come up with the diagnosis and like you said the imaging thing do we do we get x rays do we get an mri that i think is important to know that it's really not that helpful because it doesn't help decide if somebody's going to need surgery right away and really that's the time when we're going to do it is am i if i'm thinking okay this patient's we've tried everything they're not improving with therapy or other modalities and they have a specific deficit is surgery going to be needed to help them get better and that's when I start thinking about imaging right. is when I can answer that question with it. Otherwise, the imaging just isn't that useful in terms of it's not going to change how we treat the pain. Um, we still are going to recommend therapy and all the other things we've talked about. And so we just need to be conscientious when we're ordering that testing.
1: Right. And so I think, you know, when it becomes chronic and it's not going away when you're actively participating in, in things to to improve upon it, then Then imaging, um, we're lucky here and I know most large groups or big cities have spine clinics where it's the physical therapist, the chiropractor, the neurosurgeon who all work together, the pain management physician who all work together, um, lots of people do injections, um, in the SI joint, um, for sciatica, for lumbar uh, epidural steroid injections. So that can be neurosurgeons who do that. It can be the pain uh, doctors. It can also be interventional radiologists. So there's lots of options there. Uh, And oftentimes, you know, one injection is an answer forever. uh, And sometimes it takes multiple to maybe find the right spot Mm because it, like we said, it doesn't necessarily correlate with what looks the worst on
0: on MRI. Exactly and it, it always takes a holistic approach so what else is going on that might be contributing to the pain? What else can you do just in general to to help get it better get it feeling better again? Well if you have additional questions about back pain, just general questions and how to manage it or other um, follow up questions on what we talked about today please shoot us an email. We're at mail at everythingdoc.com com. We have a health pro for today, Kirsten. Yeah, so today I wanted to talk about. We're actually going to give a book recommendation. We, at our monthly physician and APP meeting last week, talked about different books that we all like for ourselves and also that we recommend to our patients. And this one is actually a book that we have read parts of, at least as an entire group and um it's it's a really great book so i think so yeah yeah so we're recommending the mayo clinic guide to stress-free living this is a book written by amit sood and um just goes through kind of step by step what you can do um even you know different days of the week let's focus on thankfulness or focus on kindness and it's it's a great book if you feel like your life is too busy and too stressful um i definitely recommend this Right, I think is it is very
1: helpful to go through, um, and he does it in a in a good way that's you can kind
0: of start practicing every day. Exactly, exactly. And it's not a bad read, really, mm-hmm. as you're going right. through it. Some of these books are a little hard to get through. This one isn't a bad read at all. So yeah, definitely I think recommend it. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. Send us your feedback on it too. Right, and you can always follow us on Twitter at everything doc one. We're on Facebook. The Facebook page is everything your doc wants you to know. Find us where you find your other podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Send your suggestions our way, and we'll try to keep answering those questions. Great. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.